The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, today marks the final day of World Space Week, which runs from October the 4th until today and aims to foster an interest in space in people of all ages. One man who spent his life looking at the stars is Professor Tom Ray, Director of Cosmic Physics at the Dublin Institute for Advanced Studies and researcher with the Webb Telescope and lead researcher of the Aerial Project. And he joins me now from Chile. Tom, good morning. Good morning, Pat, from Chile. Now, I was delighted to learn that your father was a roofer because there's something nice about the son of a roofer spending his life looking up. That's right. I just I just decided to go further up, you know. But, uh... <laughs> um, you grew up in Renla in, in Dublin and uh, at a time when Dublin was a very different kind of a place where you actually could look up and without light pollution, you could see the stars. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, way back then, and we're talking many, many moons ago, as they say, uh, you mean the sky in Dublin was really, really clear. Uh, there was very little light pollution. So you could see the Milky Way from Dublin. And I'm talking seeing the Milky Way from Ralana. Uh, you have to go out to Wicklow now, uh, to, you know, to, to, to see it. So uh, there's been a big, big change in terms of light pollution over the years. And uh it's it it is a factor we have to consider when we're um you know building new telescopes we have to find locations where there's very little chance of light pollution hmm. and that's what brings you to chile i suppose so what are you doing there okay yes yeah. so ireland joined the european southern observatory back in 2019 and uh, this is a sort of consortium of many nations of europe uh that are building really, really big instruments, really big telescopes, because any one nation, even a, a Germany or a France, re- really can't do it on their own. So we we need to get together and uh, build very large telescopes in, in remote sites. So we have a whole suite of instruments here at three different locations in Chile. And so I'm over here. We do a kind of inspection every few years and check out the new technology that they're developing. But the really exciting project at the moment here is uh, prosaically called the ELT, the Extremely Large Telescope. I mean, it is enormous. It's about, the mirror on it is 14 metres across. There's nothing uh, like it on Earth. And uh, it'll be ready around 27, 28 uh, at this point already, the dome is uh, in in place, or most of the dome, and it's a bigger than the uh, the Colosseum, for example. You know, My so goodness. it's an enormous project. Now, a, a mirror that's fourteen meters across. Uh, how is that made? How is it manufactured? How is it assembled? Because I presume it can't be just cast in one uh, piece of material and then polished up. No, no, absolutely not, because. Um, no, what we do is we actually build mirrors that are about a meter across, and they're, and they're very thin mirrors as well. Um, but behind them, there are what we call actuators that actually distorts the mirror shape, and we join all of these mirrors together, uh, approximately eight hundred mirrors uh, to. Uh, to act as one giant mirror. So it's really a technological challenge, but it has been tested mm. on the ground. And uh, 
we've tested in space because that's the basis for you for the James Webb Space Telescope where you have a smaller number there, just 16 of them, but uh, it worked perfectly. Now, the, the, the question of optical telescopes, because with a mirror, that's what you're talking about. You're looking at this uh, mirror, which is pointing up at the, the heavens and then uh, through an eyepiece, presumably focused at the, the focal point of uh, that uh, concave mirror, uh, you get your, your images. But there are other things as well. I mean, we hear about arrays of wires along the ground that are doing a different kind of astronomy. Oh, yeah, yeah. So essentially the mirror idea works fine up until millimeter waves so uh let me give you an example i mean light is roughly um half a micron that is in other words half one millionth of a meter in length that's the wavelength of light Mm -hmm. when you go to millimeter wavelengths the mirror idea still works but when you go to really long uh wavelengths and i'm talking radio waves um in fact, the sort of radio waves that your listeners are listening to you now, that sort of band, we, we use an array on the ground of wires. So we have an example close to home in the centre of Ireland in Burr Castle. There is a, a radio array there called LOFAR. And we are one of the European stations for LOFAR. And uh, that works really, really well because Ireland from a radio point of view, is very quiet. I mean, earlier on, you talked about light pollution. We have a problem with light pollution, for example, in Dublin, and I'm sure even Centre of Burr. But in terms of radio pollution, we are very, very good. So you can you can effectively still see the Milky Way very, very uh, perfectly from uh, the centre of Ireland at radio wavelengths as well. Yeah. So, so what happens is that the radio waves are picked up and then they are interpolated into a visual image. Exactly. Yeah. Because obviously you cannot see radio waves. You cannot even see infrared waves. So even uh, the images that you see from the James Webb Space Telescope, mm-hmm. which is an infrared telescope, those uh, are in a sense, uh, um, you know, coloured images. So we use different colours for the different wavelengths. So red for the longest wavelengths and then blue for the shortest ones, just like the colours of the rainbow. Yeah. So we use a, a sort of rainbow uh, yeah. pattern. So, so to, w- when we see these pictures from deep space of galaxies and uh, all sorts of um, stars dying or whatever they might be doing, and they're in wonderful colour, are these... You know, if you were out there, are they the colours you'd see? Or is this kind of a guess at the colours that might be out there? No, no, no. They are the ones you would see if your eye was sensitive to the uh, the, the infrared or to radio. So, uh, no, there is a, a direct match, uh, direct match in intensity uh, and in wavelength and so forth. So, you know, our eyes are only sensitive to a very, very narrow band, and uh, that's only a very small window on the universe. Now, it happens to be the wavelengths that most stars emit. But, for example, when you're talking about galaxies, even though they emit in the optical, if they are very far away, 
we uh, I think a lot of people would know about the the Big Bang and the explosion that led to the universe. And so it means the galaxies that are far away are moving very, very quickly away from us. And so you get an effect. Uh, it's uh, the, the fancy name for it is the Doppler effect, but it's like when an ambulance is moving towards you, the pitch of the ambulance goes up. When it's moving away, the pitch goes down. So the same thing happens with uh, waves from space. So the waves from these very distant galaxies are shifted from the optical to the infrared and even longer wavelengths. So we have to operate in those wavelengths in order to see the early early universe, for example. Now, the, the, the final question really is, Tom, what are you looking for? And when you finally build this wonderful telescope in Chile, what are you hoping to find? Well, in the case of the telescope in Chile, I mean, it will be the biggest um, in the world. It will be capable of actually imaging sort of Earth-sized planets around um, nearby stars. And that's obviously a goal. I mean, we now, for example, know about uh, thousands of planets around other stars. I mean, your listeners might like to know the next time they look up at the night sky, look at a star up there. Typically, half of them have a whole planetary system around. Now, these planetary systems are very different from ours, and we're only at the start of this story. But we're now capable of actually imaging these planets. And uh, what we really want to do is image Earth-sized planets and also look at the atmosphere of those um, planets as well, because there are what we call biomarkers for uh, for life. And so it'll be intriguing to uh, yeah. explore the possibility of life yeah. elsewhere. Isn't the problem, the though, is, isn't it, that you're looking at the past when you're looking at the skies, you're looking at things that happened um, a long time ago? Oh, well, I mean, when I say... Um, you know, looking at nearby stars, you're talking stars maybe um, 20 light years away. So that means uh, we're looking as it was 20 years ago. So in terms of, I mean, life on Earth has been around for hundreds of millions of years. So uh, life on another planet, uh, 20 years is nothing. All right. Professor Tom Ray, Director of Cosmic Physics at the Dublin Institute for Advanced Studies and researcher with the Webb Telescope and lead researcher of the Aerial Project. Thank you very much for joining us live from Chile. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.